Napa know-how. When you purchase a set of Napa brake pads and rotors, you get a discount code from Fanatics.com worth up to $50 towards your favorite sports gear. While Napa can't help your team reach the promised land, we can help make sure your car will because these brakes come with something no sports team does. Guaranteed performance. Great brakes, great price, great fan gear. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Offer expires September 30th, 2017. G'day everybody and welcome to episode 16 of the Tiger Tragics. Mitchell Scott is my name. I say hello to Carl Bianco. Hello Mitchell. And uh, Tony Shebecki will be joining us from uh, on externally just on the line very shortly. Uh, this week we're looking back at what was, uh, you know, uh, I suppose in hindsight a pretty, a pretty disappointing result on the weekend mm. against Geelong. It was a game that we went into thinking... You know, if we're ever going to knock Geelong off, this is going to be the week. But uh, ultimately, we didn't get the chocolates. But that said, I I wasn't as resigned or um, ropeable as some people expected Richmond supporters to be. I think it was everyone else externally, except anyone who was actually a Richmond supporter, talking up uh, the Tigers as actually winning this week. Carl, uh, it was a sloppy game at times. It was a bit of an arm wrestle. It kind of promised and didn't really deliver it points, but it was close for the, the same part. Geelong obviously getting up 11, 14, 80 to Richmond, 9, 12, 66. I went down, mm. uh, and I'll tell you about my experience in just a moment, but just uh, your initial takings out of the game. What can I take out of that game? It, as you said, it was a bit of a nothing game in my opinion. Uh, look, Geelong had a lot of outs, and they just, you know, in my opinion, they're a protected species. Ooh. They're a protected species. Why is that? Uh, uh, well, you know, I'm I'm not going to bring up the the men in green. I'm not we'll, going to bring we'll, them up at all. I don't want to discuss them at all. We'll, but, go, we'll go into detail on them a little bit later. Uh, look, I just think you know, whenever there's an opportunity to sort of try and get a free kick, that's what they try and do. In my opinion, Geelong, but, especially at home. But that's I think that's the case of any team that's got such a large parochial home crowd. Yeah. Like that. Like it's the same as going to WA or th- where, where you've got ninety percent of the crowd um is the is is gonna be like that. It is gonna be loud and they are gonna be more that way. But we'll hey, we'll, we'll go into detail on the umpiring yeah. a little bit a little bit later. But I, I wanna get your general feeling on um where you think Richmond lost the game. Taking aside the, the men in green, where did you feel we went short? Well, I think Geelong did a really good job of shutting Nan Curvis out of the game. I think it was Smith there, Ruckman. Smith had a really good had game. Had a really good game. Nan Curvis, I reckon, again, with all due respect, I love Nank. I think it was the worst game he played all year, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. I mean, I just didn't see him have an impact that he, like what he usually would. You know, he's with Soldo uh, alternating Ruck at the moment. Nank's sort of playing centre-half forward, or supposed to be playing centre-half forward and alternating Ruck, and he just... You know, compared to past weeks, I didn't see him have much of an influence. Well, I didn't see him play enough forward time. Like I think, I think he sort of rotated through. Uh, you know, with with Soldo, but Soldo more often than not, if he wasn't rucking, he's on the bench, which means Dan Curvis is in the ruck. So that rotation isn't quite working. I think, um, you know, having having gone down the highway and made that made the trip down, and you know, everyone was talking up. You know, this is Richmond's game to lose, and. Um, I think a lot of people actually underestimated 
you know, the Yins for Geelong. I mean, look, let's don't get me wrong, having no Selwood out there and having no Hawkins and Duncan is it's you know, that's they're three very good players that that you know, if if they were in our team and then they were taken out, you'd be going, geez, we're missing them. But at the same yeah. time, they had a bloke named Patrick Dangerfield who's coming back, who's far more um, I think a far more important player to their fortunes than Joel Selwood. He's like if I if you had to pick one of who you're gonna who you're gonna hang your hat on for getting your team over the line, I'm you know I'd, Selwood is a warrior of a player. He's you know he's head over the ball. He's courageous. But if I'm wanting a, a player to actually pick up a team and win a game of, of football off his boot, um, it's Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, the loss of Hawkins wasn't all that bad because they were able to. They were actually going to. If they had Hawkins in, they were going to be too tall anyway. So they had to swing Harry Taylor forward, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm. Uh, and uh, and then uh, you know I think the fact that um, Stephen Motlop came back in and was due some good form, and Daniel Menzel bobbed up with a couple of goals, and and that was the case. It's at this point that we can bring in Tony Shebeki to the conversation. G'day, Shebex. Hello, boys. Are you both well? We are both well. We are both well. Carl's a little bit tired, but we're both we're both getting uh, well, getting Carl's through. A bit, Carl's a little bit uh, stressed out at the moment. I think I'm stressed just, out just from reading comments on on uh, on social media and the like. Carl, I think you just need to. It's like the umpires are fine. The mm-hmm. AFL aren't trying to screw. Uh, we're going we're okay. gonna we're gonna talk about it in depth I a little bit later. I have not once mentioned umpires. Okay, I've not. Well, I mentioned, you mentioned the men, the men, in, men in green, green. but I didn't <laughs> directly reference umpires. I we started I, three minutes ago. She bets he's managed. He's just he's off tap. But <laughs> even on Twitter, even on Twitter, you look at my tweets and my social media arguments with people, Geelong supporters, whatever. I think I was pretty reasonable on exception for this one bloke, but we won't go there. I, the only thing I said was. Geelong, otherwise known as the Untouchables. It could be a reference to anything. I think you said they were protected species, actually, Carl. Well, that too. Yeah, that too. But, look, Whatever. I, I, I can't, I've said it six times now. I want to go into it in detail a little bit later. I, let's just, Shebex, you've just joined us. Uh, Richmond lost by 14 points. What did you take yeah, out of it? What did, what did you make of the game, and what did you take out of it? Because for us, it was kind of a nothing game. Yeah it, was a, yeah, it was sort of... Well, I think for Geelong, too, to an extent, it was. Well, obviously, they can only go third or fourth. They had their chance to go second. Should uh, they beat GWS in that final game of the year? And that's going to be a cracker, that one. And that could also determine whether we finish third or fourth. So, uh, yeah, there's still. I'd, I'd rather finish... Let me just say straight off the top, I'd rather finish third than finish fourth. I think I'd rather be taking on GWS in the first final than taking on Adelaide. That's true. But that's, that's another story down the track. As I'd probably rather finish fifth than I'd rather finish in the top four and actually play for four weeks than have, an, than have two games in, in four weeks. So... That's another story and another anomaly of the uh, the thing. But oh, what did I take out of it? Uh, I, I took out of it that we, once again, a little bit uh, dubious under pressure. I think Geelong, when they uh, we we can't continue a chain of handballs for too long. I think it's got to be either three or four handballs and then a kick. I think once we start going into five, six, seven handballs, we seem to turn the ball over all the time. We don't seem to be able to hold on to that too long. I think we need uh, some structure out of our out of uh, kickouts, some of those two of those kickouts from Brandon Ellis in that final quarter, straight to the middle where there was no Richmond players. We went by forty six percent by foot in that last quarter, which just isn't up to standard, unfortunately. No. And I, th- I think that's the overall sort of thing I that I took out of it was that um, you know we, our pressure was good, our pressure rating was actually better than Geelong's, but Geelong did apply some good pressure, and unfortunately for us, uh, when that pressure came from them, uh, we weren't able to execute our skills properly, and it cost us. Yeah, but I think also, we've been saying it for a long time now, and a lot of people have, I just don't know how deep in the finals we can go without a second tall forward. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be our biggest downfall. 
Well, in that, in that last quarter, and that was kind of, uh, you know, that last quarter when the game was on the line and we'd got back to within, you know, kicking a little bit. Um, and, you know, well well played to the Tigers in that third quarter. That You know, you know half-time was four-goal difference, and everyone sort of thought, oh, you know, Geelong might just go on it with here. And, you know, you're just looking at the headlines that might come in the back of you, you know, come Monday going, you know, Tigers are pretenders and all that sort of thing, which the heat hasn't really come to the degree that I thought it might have. But, mm. um, you know, we fought back well in that third quarter. And, and to, uh, yeah, having been down at the ground, there was a little bit of a breeze to that left end of the ground, I will say that, um, you know, sort of slightly across the ground, but it was certainly favouring that end. In that last quarter, uh, when the, yeah, the pressure was applied, uh, we we just we didn't get that structure right in that we spent you point out the the, the amount of handball chains that we sort of had I reckon we we had so many I reckon it might have been ten times out of the across halfback with little dinky handball little dinky handball just trying to put that player yeah. into space we didn't have that overlap run we didn't have the space to be able to do that which which we did so beautifully in the last few weeks and particularly there was a moment last week against Hawthorne where I was sitting there going you know this is this is just football heaven the overlap run we had they didn't allow us that which meant that we as soon as we got a player finally into some sort of space there the uh you know that they just wanted to bang it onto the boot and try and get it up forward because they had to because otherwise because it come it was going to come back in unfortunately for us as you say we had jack rewalt um and you know dustin martin was playing very 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 deep yeah. uh and he didn't spend enough time in the in the engine room in that last quarter where we probably needed him because he had we had to try and create a second target unfortunately for us what Geelong love to do is they love to get their tall defenders and set them up along sort of that 50 meter arc behind the ball you know kick behind the play and as soon as the ball comes in they just read it pick it up reset go again Lockie Henderson was playing like Alex Rance and Alex Rance was playing like Lockie Henderson Oregon on the weekend it was uh it was a strange old one but yeah you're right I think um I think that that certainly in the last quarter we didn't want to lower our eyes. We 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 didn't have the freedom to lower our eyes. And Josh Caddy actually going off with that hamstring injury uh, in the you know in the first half actually did a fair bit of damage to uh, to our structure. And it was you know he's he's not a tall player, but he's a he's he plays big. He's a you know he's a big brute. He he crashes contests. He actually you know he he runs. He actually just creates an extra an, an extra player there in that forward fifty streaming forward. And him not being there hurt us. Yes, it did, no doubt. Uh, we we definitely and you lose one rotation and all that sort of stuff. So it's the uh, the human the other. Uh, the domino effect but of, he, of but, losing that injury. But, but even on the scoreboard, like he kicked one, he kicked the first goal of the game, yeah. Caddy, and, and you thought, oh, here we go. You know, he's back at the catter. He knows how to play this place. And then, you know, he wasn't really cited after that because of the because of the injury. Should be back for finals if, if all things right. I just think, you know, it it probably hurt our structure, and it, it meant that it meant that Dusty did have to play that bit of extra time forward when really when the game was on the line, we needed him there there in the guts pushing and shoving and, you know, doing his don't argues and all that sort of thing, but he was nowhere to be seen. And that's where I think at the selection table we made a mistake, Bob. We dropped Miles for uh, for Rewalt to come back in. We made just the one change. And I reckon that the midfield just need, you know, we're, we're one brute short when Miles isn't out there. So, uh, look, it, you take what, what you can out of it. What did you make of... Um, you know, I think the big talking point to come out of it uh, for a lot of people has been Alex Rance's performance with Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor bobbed up, kicked four goals, went forward. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, well, it was a bad day for Rancy. Yeah, he was challenging Gary Abelazzini, wasn't he, Harry Taylor? Uh, at the Use of the and body was magnificent. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. There's no doubting that. And uh, he, he just had, he had an exceptional game, and that's going to happen. I mean, uh, Alex Rance will have, I don't know too many blokes, that have 20, 22 out of 22 fantastic games in a year. It just doesn't happen. It 
So, you know, you're going to have a bad one, and that's generally when someone else has a good one on you, and this was just Harry Taylor's good game. Will it happen again next time around? Probably not. I think Alex Rance is probably smart enough to know what went wrong and will be able to uh, to change that should he have an opportunity come finals time to play on Geelong. But uh, it was just one of those things. I mean, you can't you can't bag Alex Rance out for it, can you? No, no. Carl, Carl do you think teams are working out Alex Rance a little bit? I know like, he's, when he, he doesn't have a bad game, as you say, Shebex. Even when he has a bad half, like he did against Port Adelaide, in the set, he usually rallies and finds something. Yeah, look, I think people or teams in particular have caught on to the fact uh, that Rance is obviously the best fullback in the in the competition has been for a couple of seasons now, and they've haven't been afraid to try different tactics to try and shut him down as a defender and allow the forwards to sort of actually get some space, take a few marks, and kick a few goals. And look, I don't know, Rance. He's generally pretty consistent, you know. He's definitely he's he's our vice captain for a reason. Last weekend, I I'm, I don't think it was just him that had a bad game. I think there was a number of Tigers players that had a, a pretty average game. So. Yeah, I just I, I guess the reason Rance gets brought up because in the end, I think Harry Taylor was probably the difference in the game. Those, those four goals were, you know, and and it wasn't like it wasn't where you know he's bobbed up and kicked. You know, a couple out of nowhere, like Daniel Menzel has a habit of doing, just by the way. Uh, he, he legitimately was what was taking on Rance one-on-one and beat him at his own game on yeah. numerous occasions. Did make, did miss a couple. Um, the thing I suppose I found odd was that normally if, 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 if Alex Rance is having a bad game, what they'll do is they'll try to isolate him by, you know, Asprey would have, you know, they might roll Asprey onto Harry Taylor and then just, you know, play Rant. Rant sort of stands off and plays, but didn't do that. Didn't try that. I don't know if it was a, if it was a deliberate coaching decision or um, the like, but certainly Rance was basically with him the whole game and got towed up. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I'm wondering whether Damien Hardwick had actually contemplated at any point in the game that maybe he has to move Alex Rance. And put someone else onto to Harry Taylor, just sort of a bit of a change up. Because Asprey was playing, sorry, because Asprey was playing sort of the, on the second tour and was plucking yeah. off marks. And Grimes was running with Menzel and didn't really, you know, Menzel kicked two, uh, you know, typically Daniel Menzel type goals. One from a free kick from ten meters and out, one from from on the goal line where he booted it through. Um, and of, yeah, one thing we didn't do was we didn't play that. Uh, our defenders didn't have that one and a half man to an extent, so where you've got your own man and then you're also keeping an eye on somebody else. And I think Rance probably was in a position where he needed a little bit of help. Yep. And they, they, our guys just didn't seem to be able to get to the contest to provide that, that third man up for the punch or whatever it might have been. So, yeah, a little bit of restructure they did, maybe there. They did a good job as well in the when the ball was a pat, was in a pack if a contest and it was, you know, it wasn't just, let's say it was Rance and, and Taylor and there was three or four others that went up. They actually did a very good job of sort of blocking Rance right on that line of what's legal and what isn't, of, so that he wasn't actually the one flying for the ball. So he actually didn't get to as many, you know, he'd get his fist to as many balls as he might normally have. So, you know, I think, you know, watch this space. Teams might be uh, watching uh, the vi- the video of that and seeing how we how we got worked out. I, I agree with you too that clubs may have worked out Alex Rant and, and how to work him and, and how to work him over a little bit. And that's, that's great. I mean, clubs will do that. They'll do their homework. That's fine. The one thing you've still got to have is you've still got to have the personnel to be able to actually execute a plan against Alex Rance. And not a lot of clubs can do that. That's true. Mm, another thing I reckon, Harry Taylor, 
it's only in the past couple of seasons he's actually sort of become a forward, isn't it? Yeah. He, and before that, was a real experienced defender that would match up with your buddies and whatnot. And that so, helps. Yeah, that, and that, that's, helps, that mm. certainly helps him. I think that he puts himself in Alex Rance's shoes and goes, right, you know, what, what, what would I be doing if I was playing that way? And it's funny with Harry Taylor. He's a far better forward when Tom Hawkins is not in that forward line. When, mm. when Tom Hawkins is, is, is out and he sort of clears the space, he's not a, he can't be that second foil for Tom Hawkins because Tom Hawkins is big and lumbering and loves, you know, needs the space to run into. If, Harry, if Harry's there, he just gets in the way. But Harry being the number one uh, certainly looked dangerous on the weekend. And um, it was, yeah, it was, he was probably the, the, the one shining light for, for the Geelong, uh, you know, forward line. Uh, you know, they bobbed up with a few goals here and there. I didn't buy into, and I want to ask you guys this, um, all week we were being talked up as the favourites and, you know, we went down Media Street. There were Every day there was articles, you know, Richmond's the biggest club in town and Dimmer and Koch are on the footy show and, um, you know, there's articles on Prestia's doing articles with the paper and all this sort of stuff. And we actually went into the game as favourites by, you know, I think it was a dollar, you know, dollar sixty to two fifteen by, by mm. the time of it. And I, look, I didn't buy into that. I know they had their three outs, but I just... I just felt it was it was more like a head to head. I didn't necessarily think we were you know to start behind them. But um, what did you, did you did you were you confident going into it off that? I mean, I just the feeling I got was that everyone else was talking Richmond up, but not ourselves. No, I think this was very much an even money each of two bet. No doubt about it between the two of them. And, and I agree with you. Geelong lost a couple of players and a couple of very handy players as well, including Joel Selwood. But at the end of the day. They're still a very good team, and they've got good depth at the Cattery, and they have had for a long time. So they were never going to be uh, too hindered by the loss of uh, those guys. So, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I don't think that we deserve to have outright favouritism, maybe maybe slight favouritism, only for the fact that we had a bit of momentum going into it. But it would have been uh, $2 each way would have been a fair bet, I would have thought. I mean, we, we hadn't beaten them in 12 years or, you know, 12 seasons. It was 2006 we were down there, 2006 down there, last time we beat them. Um, and we've lost every time. Jack Rewalt's never beaten Geelong. Ne- <laughs> never beaten ne- Geelong. Never beaten Geelong. He's never beaten Geelong. At, never beaten Geelong at all? No. Ever. Uh, maybe in a pre, uh, probably in a pre-season game. In fact, I, I know he would if he played in those pre-season games, but never in a home and away actual legitimate match. That's how wow. far back it goes. And I think that you know, I think people undersold. People saw what happened with Sydney the week before, and thought, "Oh, yeah, Geelong. You know, they're gettable." And maybe they were talking us up a bit, and maybe they were talking them down a bit. But I actually, I think that this that home ground advantage gets massively underplayed. Um, and you know, I'll, t- I'll talk about my experience there on the weekend in, in a moment. But um, now's the time, uh, Carl. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the men in green. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> no, come on. Come on, come on. You've been whinging about the men in green for many weeks, and no. this week you finally, I think you've got a legitimate case. Let's hear it. Okay, my case is there's no case. You guys discuss, please. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to get too worked up. I don't want to talk about it. Does I'm not going to talk about it. Well, Harbick said it for you. He said the crowd definitely plays into the umpire's hands. That's the one and thing I'll agree on. Did you, and, but it's the same as any interstate game, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, and that was the point I was going to make. Is that it's it's the same as it's the same as if you go to you go to Sydney, you go to WA, you go to the Adelaide Oval. Disagree. Where you? <laughs> Disagree with that? You go to you go to Adelaide Oval, and there's fifty thousand, forty eight thousand. Okay, Adelaide or Port Adelaide. That's another exception. I experienced it in the Port Adelaide elimination final, but 
you know, in the instance with Ge- with Geelong in particular, they've had a history of only allowing a certain amount of opposing fans into their ground. That's because that's that is their home ground. I know, but regardless but of that, is if you go to Subiaco, if you go to yeah, you yeah, go to, but. The main stadium, it's no, exactly the same. It's it different. No, it's not. I reckon it's different. It's not because I've seen you see more Richmond supporters at these other grounds, but when it comes to Geelong, bloody three hundred in the in a select section. How is that? Fair? Oh, there, well, there, look, just on that, and I suppose well, having I went to the ground on the weekend. I, I was one of the lucky ones to snag a ticket, and there was more than a couple of hundred of Richmond supporters there. I'll let you tell, tell you that. I reckon there was a good five thousand to six thousand there. There you go, and there's a that's and that's partly because there's a lot of there is actually a fair bit of a fair few Richmond supporters down there. Yes, the cheer squad gets its little pocket there. Um, they had a, you know they've got they've got the one behind the goals. They have another one beside the race, but just splashed throughout the crowd. There was a there was actually a lot of yellow and black, and even in the pubs beforehand being down there. Like I actually, I loved I loved making the trip down there because it was like. You know, going into enemy territory. You know, if we it was, it felt like going into state and trying to and trying to get a win on the road. And you know, you're in the pubs and all the Richmond supporters are standing around with their scarves and um, you know making a day of it. And we're all like, oh, let's see how it goes today. It felt like the good old days where you you know you'd go along to Vic Park or, or what have you, and and you get in there and it actually. It's a magnificent stadium, actually, Simmons Stadium, as yeah. a, as a stadium with the, with the upgrades and everything. It's a fantastic place to watch football. And I was just standing in the outer behind um, behind the what was the Richmond cheer squad up the up the left screen up the left side of the ground. And um, no, you know, there was there was enough. There was clearly more noise for Geelong uh, with every single thing that was going on. But there was it wasn't like deathly silence when Richmond kicked a goal. There was actually you know a what? crowd. And you know what? Good luck to them. Yep. They've been able to build that ground into what it is now, what, a 50,000, 45,000-seat stadium or something, and they can actually host decent games there now with decent crowds. Good on them. Yep. And we're, just, we're just in an unfortunate... Fort. We're in an unlucky, lucky situation. Unlucky that we host our games at the MCG and it's such a big ground, and it will always be able to hold you know, more, uh, more or less 50-50 support for both teams. That's unlucky, but that's lucky that we've got the MCG as our ground. It's such an amazing ground. But, you know, I don't think we'll ever get to the stage where we've seen 90,000 Richmond supporters and 10,000 of someone else. It's just not going to happen. Maybe only if we're playing GWS on grand final day. I reckon that might be a preliminary final. Bringing that back to the umpiring discussion, it is very clear that like those interstate games, that they get a, a far better run of a rub of the green because of the, you know, as Alan Richardson so beautifully put it in round two, the noise of affirmation. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, the Carl, seeing as Carl's reluctant to go this week, I want to highlight um, there was the worst deliberate rush behind call I've ever seen, which yeah. was in the first quarter. Andrew Mackey standing with the ball, uh, he's running towards the Richmond goal. There's no one near him. Lockie Henderson happens to be standing on the goal line, one leg sort of straddled across, and Mackey just gives him the little handball, and it just happens that, that when Lockie Henderson takes possession of the ball, he jumps to the right, and uh, the ball goes through for behind. Now, how that's not a deliberate rush behind, when we go back to poor old bloody Jaden Short against Essendon in round 10... And uh, you know he's actually it was legitimately under pressure, running back into a, into the in the goal square when he when he did it, not on the goal line, but he got pinged, and Andrew Mackey doesn't get pinged. Um, you know I think that's you know you t- the the umpires, uh, you know, there's there must be some sort of feeling of they're going to have their heads for him very early. The free kick count at half time was twenty to six, and it just felt like every time that a Richmond player got tackled. 
um, you know, it was holding the ball, and every time a Geelong player got tackled, they got the extra run. They got you know the the benefit of the doubt. They'd sling him around three sixty degrees, and if they happened, to, if the ball happened to come loose, they didn't call it. I don't. I that it is you know to borrow the the, the cliche I hate. It is what it is because as you say, Shabix, it's like that at all home grounds. That's just the way it happens because the noise and that is actually a factor, and people can deny it all they want, but it is. Yeah, of course it is, and it actually seems like the umpires wait to hear for the crowd as to whether they, you know, if there's a massive ball or you know, deliberate when they call deliberate, and then the umpire plays it off the back of that. It almost it almost seems like you know there's sort of that little bit of a, a wait to actually hear that uh, that call of affirmation from from a large crowd. You're right, mate. It is what it is. You, you know, umpiring decisions. While what, and, and I don't blame the umpires. I honestly don't. I blame our rules, and I blame the fact that we have shades of grey in our rules. Rules for any sport should either be black or they should be white. If you do this, this is what happens. If you do that, this is what happens. Not if this happens, then maybe if you take this into account, you can't have that sort of crap. Mm. The lawmakers have to make rules for our games that are either black or white. No interpretation. And that way, 24 blokes who are on the umpiring panel are going to have exactly the same knowledge of the rule that they're umpiring to, not whether they thought something might have happened and their interpretation. This is the way it is. Once we have that, then we'll have less arguments about this. But until then, we're just going to be talking about it and there's no use wasting our breath because nothing ain't going to change. Carl, uh, did you think Damien Hardwick's comments were well-placed post-match? Uh, look, I don't like to coach. I don't like to coach. I don't like to make comments you on coach. You don't co- like to coach. I don't like to coach. About? I don't know. I don't know, Shebex. Uh, I, I don't like to make comments on uh, senior coaches often. Oh, and, so that's all right. Uh, yeah, that's what I actually meant to say, Shebex. So I apologize. I thought we just had our first headline of the year. Yeah, I don't like to coach. I'm taking over as Richmond coach. That. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, look, I, I've got a lot of respect for Damien Hardwick. Uh, but, uh, look, you know... Coaches have have their their moments. I don't think you really needed to bring it up in discussion, to be honest. I I tend to agree. Look, I thought he lowered his colours slightly, and that you know it's it's our job to whinge, not the coach's job to whinge about the umpiring. I just thought you know he didn't he he was better left having it said unsaid. Um, you know there was enough Richmond fans and and commentators around making that point without the the coach having to uh, make a point because all it does there's no positive to come out of it for, come out of it for Dimmer. By saying that comment, I think all it does is it makes other people look at him, go, "Oh, you're whinging, you're looking for excuses about why you lost." So, yeah, that's what I think. Cool. You, would you agree with that, Shabix? Fickle, fickle. Um, goal kicking. Uh, Jack Rewall, I reckon, has changed his run up. I don't think he's. I don't think he's kicking the way he used to. He, we missed so. I mean, we the, the, the overall feeling out of the game was was the sloppiness with which we went by foot and and cost our opportunities, but certainly in front of goal. Uh, was probably where it hurt the most. I mean, we had Jack Rewalt finish with one three in his return back. looks looked okay. looked you know did he did his bit trying to trying to um you know create a contest. But Henderson had the better of him, I think, in the end. Uh, needed some help, but he had his opportunities. Had four shots at goal, kicked one goal, three. That's um you know that's not the Jack Rewalt we knew who won two Coleman medals. And you know I think the the two that probably cost us the most. And we love Basher Hooley, but uh you know he missed two sitters from you know basically directly in front, twenty twenty five meters out, and. They were, you know, at crucial moments in the game as well, which, uh, you know, cost momentum. As I said, Geelong, to their credit, really made a statement by beating us when we 
where the favourites... Look, at the end of the day, I don't look at who's favourites, in particular when it comes to a Geelong clash, but when you look at it, we could be favourites against Hawthorne. You know, go back to last week, we could have been favourites and we were favourites against Hawthorne, but considering how their season's panned out on the back end... You know, Mitch said it last week. He thought that Hawthorne were going to run over the top of us and actually going to beat us. So, look, I give full credit to Geelong. They, in the end, were too good. We can't blame the men in green because we had plenty of opportunities to, you know, our efficiency in front of goal wasn't great again. We've had plenty of opportunities to put teams away across the whole year, and we had that opportunity again against Geelong, in my opinion, last weekend. But we just... Didn't make the most of our forward entry, and it's something that's really going to have an impact on us come September if we can't, you know, get something right. So, so how do we? Sorry, you guys. Been an issue, hasn't it, all year? Yeah. And, uh, and once again, I wonder whether that's got something to do with that not having that second extra tall in there. I wonder whether that's a, a by play. You know, you got guys kicking more, uh, shorter guys kicking from longer distance out, forty, forty-five. We know that, you know. You'd, you'd rather have a taller bloke doing that. I don't, I don't know. It's just an issue that we've had all year. It's, it's a, something that needs to be fixed. It's that balance of attack and defence. And, you know, when when when, the, when our defence is firing the way it has for the most part of the season and we're restricting teams to, you know, scores of 60 and 65 and we kick 80, well, that's – you can get away with it. Um, you know, but unfortunately um, – you know, you know when 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 it's a team does get a bit of a run on against us, and we don't make the most of our opportunities, it can come back to bite us. And you know, I look at I look at the ladder, and um, our points against we're at fifteen fifty two, which I think second or third best in the comp. Uh, I'm just looking at it briefly here. We're, uh, we're second best. That's so we're number two. So the only team that's done better at restricting teams for scoring is Sydney. Um, but unfortunately, when you look at the points four column, we're seventeen fifteen, which is way off the track. It's just it's yeah. so that's why we've never blown teams apart. If if these guys do start making the most of it, you know, if Jack Rewald actually kicks three of those goals rather than one, if Basher Hooley kicks an extra one of those, I'll give him one. And the first one I knew he was going to miss because Basher likes to, you know, Basher likes that raking sort of left foot hook kick where he kicks across yeah. his body. That's the way he kicks the ball naturally because normally he's kicking fifty meters up the line. Um, you know, when he's 20 metres out and you just need to put it over the top of the goal umpire's head, you, you can't go back to that natural kicking action, which is what he did. I reckon, I just look, I look at the way Jack's running up. He doesn't, um, you know, he used to just sort of walk in and kick it. And that was that was it. I don't know whether he hasn't got the power in his kick that he used to, but he just sort of, um, you know, his routine's a bit different. And, you know, a couple of weeks off, I'll give him, I'll, I'll give him a, I suppose, a late A for, and the benefit of the doubt for that. You know, a couple of weeks out where you can't really see. Doesn't help. Doesn't help with it. Although, no, true. Yeah, we had well, uh, and, but have a look at the game in a whole, also, guys. I mean, we had a really good first and third quarter, didn't we? Yeah. And the fact that Geelong didn't score a goal until in that second half until what about the fifteen minute mark of the fourth quarter or something? Yeah, they put, they they kicked eight behinds or something in a row, and you know, you talk about teams not making the most of opportunities. They didn't either. I mean, that's why no. I think that's why you know we were talking off the top that the overall feeling of the game was, was sort of a nothing game. That it was like. You know, we we tried. We did. We weren't good enough. They tried. They were slightly better. They were missing key players. I mean, the and then you you know you you take into a fact into account the the weight of it where you go. We lost Caddy. Um, you know, they have the home ground advantage. They they do get the rub of the green with the umpires, and we miss our opportunities. And um, you know what? It it is what it, it that's the result that comes out. So I was I had people telling me on on Saturday night, geez, you must be pissed off, wouldn't you? Would you? You've blown your chance for top two, which we have, and I am disappointed about that because it's gonna we can actually finish top two still, and I'll talk about that in a second. But you know, 
basically we've blown the chance. But I never look. I suppose I never thought we were going to be top two anyway. But at the same time, the game it it didn't live up to any sort of lofty expectations. And um, you know, we we t- we we the, our destiny's in our own hands, really. So well, well, and it is. And where what it has done though is it's just given us that little bit of a. Uh, it's given Sydney more probably of an opportunity to still grab that fourth spot off us if if they if that's the way things remain. We need to win. We need to win the last two games. I'll... I mean, we, we can win one and lose one and probably still just make it, maybe. I'll... But we need to win both our last games to be top four. I've got the mathematics here just to talk through it. So if this is this is how we finish top two still. To finish top two, we need GWS to lose both their games. So they play. They play West Coast, and then they play Geelong down at the Cattery. So um, they play West Coast at home. Uh, they play yeah, they play West Coast up in, up in, up at uh, Spotless, oh, Spotless, and then yeah. and, then, and then Geelong down at the Cattery. Now you would think that they would beat West Coast up there, and then yeah, you know it's a fifty. West Coast have got a lot to play for, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to the They're trying to cement a spot, and off the back of that as well, we would need Geelong to win only one of those games. because that would be the one against GWS. Yes, we're over there. So they cancel each other out. So, we need, so we're barracking for Collingwood this week against Geelong. And then we would finish, uh, we would win both our games, we would finish on 60 points. GWS uh, would finish on 56 and, and uh, Geelong on 58. Uh, if GWS win one and then get blown out of the park, it then might it comes down to percentage. But that, uh, the most realistic, the the best way to still finish second is for is for that to happen. To finish top four, uh, we will. If we win both, we still finish top four. Um, we can still and we can, as I said, we can still go just technically as high as second or third, depending on how those results we've just t- talked about go. We, as you say, said, Shubex, we'd much rather be playing GWS up there. Than Adelaide, would you agree with that, Carl? Yeah, I agree. But I just want to raise this point as well, guys. If we go back 12 months, there was no way we would have thought we'd be in the top four or making finals. Well, we, we thought we were a chance to make finals. You never know a year afterwards. But we're top four. You know, who would have picked we would be top oh. four this time of the year? So, so here is the thing. Here is the thing. If uh, let's cast our mind forward four weeks, okay? And let's, let's say we make top four, we go out in straight sets, we lose both finals. Are we be happy? Are we to be happy? No, for the no. fact that we actually made finals. No, or are we, no, of course not. So it's all about winning. And it's it's funny you mention it because we were having a, we were having a debate with a couple of people yesterday in regards to that conversation about are you disappointed about the result? And um, you know, the, uh, based on I base it all back to as you say, Carl. What were what were our expectations at round one? I mean, we 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 got pretty Prestier and Caddy in and thought, eh. Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, we'd lost Brett to Lydia when everyone had been telling us, "Oh no, to Lydia, no Richmond." Um, and you know, we just come off a, a basically a whole inboard fight where everyone was warring at each other, and Dusty Martin's out of contract. Oh, that's going to be a distraction for the year. And um, oh, geez, you know, I think most people had a somewhere between sort of twelfth and eighteenth. Would that be fair? Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, so, doubt. and so, therefore, the, the the people were my, therefore my expectations were all right. Let's t- top four and win a final. That's sort of my pass mark. I think that's. Mm. I think we have to win a final for the pass mark. And they were saying, no, you should be. You know, you've got to be aiming higher than that. And I said, well, you know, we we are we are uh, emotionally crippled Richmond supporters. I mean, we do we do lower the bar just that little bit because we know of you know we've been through a lot like a kicked dog. So. 
I tend to think that you know winning a final is the is the minimum. That's that's the pass mark for this year. Do do you guys have any ex- higher expectations than that of what you would deem a successful season? Or after after the season that we've had, yes, I do. So you, what do you think if, it needs if, to be? If this if this was being recorded uh, nine months ago before the start of the season, no, I wouldn't have had. I would have been happy just to say, yep, yeah, if we can make the finals and win one, I'll be wrapped with that. But now knowing what we can achieve and knowing where we are as a club now. Winning one final won't be good enough for me. I think we need to at least make a preliminary final. Yep. Carl? Yeah, look, I think I agree with you there, there Shebex. But in saying that, I think our biggest test of the year was going to be Geelong because they're a team that we have had issues trying to win against in the past. Like, as, as we've discussed, we haven't beaten them since 2006. So my opinion the whole year was as soon as we started to get some wins on the board and looking like a genuine top four contender and a team that are going to play in September was, all right, we've got Geelong in round 21. That's going to be our biggest test. I think we failed in the end because we didn't we come did. away from the Geelong with the points. Therefore, if we manage to win a final, I think that's, that's satisfying enough, but... There's a higher expect. There was a high expectation on them, on ti- on the Tigers up until the Geelong game. Yeah, well, I, and I suppose to, to to preface that, I mean, going to your point, I suppose there, Shebex as well, and your point, Carl. To the final that needs to be won is a semi final, isn't it? It's not, um, you know, we, we we that's assuming we finish top four. Like if we if we if we somehow from here don't finish top four and then win win our first final and then crash out in the semis, that's but that's the same as what you're Correct. saying, isn't it? Yeah, we need to be. Uh, the, the good thing about it is is if we do finish top four and we win a final, we will make the preliminary final. Yes. So I'll that's and that's and that's and that's what top four teams do. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's funny Ox was talking yesterday about we were having he was they were having a debate on air on the Sunday footy team about, you know, Richmond hasn't beaten enough, you know, genuine teams up in, in the eight and I just wanted to look back on the on who was in the eight. Now, obviously, we went down to we went down to Adelaide. We did beat because as soon as he said, I said he goes, "No, we haven't beaten anyone in the top eight. I said, "Well, we I said we beat GWS three weeks ago. Where were you? You called the game, um, and we and we we beat Port Adelaide over in Port Adelaide. We and we beat Melbourne and West Coast. That's yep. That's everyone else in the eight as it stands. Like the only teams we've lost to, we lost to we lost to Adelaide, which we all know we got flogged over there. Yep. We've just gone down to Geelong in a nothing game. Um, which you know, it, it, I'm I'm not advocating for that game to have been played at the MCG at all. But I'm sure if, if it was played at the MCG, I reckon it might have been a different story. And that's that, that. But that that's you can't control that, so that's okay. And we went down to Sydney, who have proven everyone to be the best form team of the last twelve weeks by a kick and a half. Yeah. So, um, you know, I you know I, you, Sydney is scary at the moment, and, and that's why I think it's so important that we, um, we you know still finish top four because if they finish top four. Uh, you know, I reckon they're the team to beat. But you know, if they finish fifth and have to do the whole do the hard road, uh, fifth or sixth, that you know, and they have to they then have to have an away trip against you know Adelaide, maybe down down there or the like. Then it's 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 not easy for yeah, them. But, but this is but this is the question: is finishing fifth now doing the hard road? A lot of clubs, after I, yeah. know, I know a lot of coaches have complained to the AFL about the fact that the disadvantage that clubs who finish in the top four and win in the first week have by only playing two games. In four weeks, yeah. you're heading into finals. You don't want that to be the situation. And it would be, be you want to be match ready. You don't want to have to have a week off and then come back, have a week off, come back. It's just silly. Well, just imagine this, right? Richmond, Richmond have shown that whenever they're in, whenever they go down Media Street for the week, and that's not necessarily their choice. Off, it's just you know that's the way the media works. They're the story of the week. 
imagine Richmond wins a qualifying final away and have two whole weeks of all that talk of, you know, it's Tiger time. And, you know, I don't think that helps the team at all. No. None at all. all. So, you know, in some ways you are right, Shebex, and, you know, to go down that path of, you know, if we if we do finish third or fourth and we have, you know, we, we jag it, we, you know, we lose the first week and then we come back, we have the week, we have the semi-final here, we win that and then we probably have to go on the road again for a preliminary final. There's, there's that sort of lack of expectation there, but geez, I tell you what, how, how good would the MCG be with a Richmond crowd for a semi-final or a preliminary final? 95,000 there, just going batshit crazy. It'll be fantastic. Um and you'll be sitting there giving the voice over Shebeck's and well, you know I mean, through gritted teeth. This also that if the ladder remains pretty much the same as it is now, and if not much changes, the first week of finals will have four interstate games. Yeah, which is no good. And for then the should, should the top two teams win, which which may possibly happen. I mean, you'd say the favourites Adelaide and GWS, depending on who they play. If Adelaide playoffs and GWS play Geelong, should those two teams win, that means we'll have no footy in Melbourne again in week three. Yeah, because you'll have week you'll have, you'll have two games in Melbourne in week two because you'd have Ge- Geelong and Richmond play the Friday night and the Saturday night, which means that out of five weeks you will have out of four weeks you'll have two games of football in Melbourne. What a boring, desolate place it's going exactly. to be! And those two games would probably be played on the second week yep. if things go. You know, you have one game in Ge- Geelong and Richmond would then obviously host finals in the second week. So. This week off by the AFL, while I totally understand it and while I see the, the benefits for the players and the like, it is just a, an absolute crazy situation that they could be putting themselves into. Well, I think after what happened last year, it'll be if it happens again this year. I'm and I know that the, I know that as you say, the, the coaches are sort of have made their their voices well known about you know, geez, it can work for you, but it can work against you as well if you're up the top. Um, if that happens again this year, if you know two teams from out of the bottom four, um, you know push up and you know another Western Bulldog story happens, I can bet your bottom dollar it won't be happening again. There'd be so much noise that you know they would have to be making a, de- a decision. And I know it's all about integrity purposes. We don't want teams resting, you know, tanking games in round twenty three to manipulate the ladder. That's the whole point because they want to say we want to take that incentive out. But at the end of the day, I think you got to do what's best. You you got to actually have an advantage for finishing in the top four, correct? Yeah, but once again, a team plays that game at its own risk as well. If you're going to risk 11 players in round 23 the week before a final, then you risk the opportunity of those guys freshening up but not having match hardness going into that final. And so teams play the game as well. I mean, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. I don't know. I'm not for the buying. I'm not for the week off before the first final. I think that it needs to be scrubbed. And I think we need to have two buys throughout the year. I'm happy with that. And whether that second buy be at round 18 or something, 19, so it's a little bit closer to the end. But I just think we need uh, continuity from the end of the season through to the finals. And no other competition in the world has this situation where they have their end of their regular home and away season and then miss two weeks before you head into the first final. I mean, the NFL's the only one that I know of that doesn't. That's They have a two-week basically Super Bowl week. Yeah, just for, and that's just for the grand final. And that and I yeah. can understand that allows every you know, you get the best possible team of the grand final out there and then exactly. uh and then and then you, you know there's the whole carnival and everything around it. Brings me to my to I suppose the point I just want to make on uh this is how we can guarantee that we finish top four. I mean we talked about top two before, but um 
so if we win, if we beat, if we win just one of the games, so we beat Frio and or lose to St Kilda and vice versa, um, it will come down to the results as to whether we as to whether we finish or not. If we win both, you know, our destiny's in our own hands. So we win both, you know, we're untouchable. We, we're we're going to be there in the top four this week. I invite all Richmond supporters to barrack your hardest for Adelaide against Sydney and the Bulldogs against Port Adelaide. If both those teams win, then and we win, then round twenty three doesn't matter. We're we're top four. I mean, and then we, you know it comes down to how much we want to, how hard we go against the Kilda as to you know. I think we'd clearly like to prefer to finish second or or you know third in, ahead of fourth. But we will know our destiny going into that game because all the other games are be are before that that, that will affect us. So. Um, so barrack your hardest for Adelaide this weekend over Sydney. Adelaide are, are too far clear. We can't get them. So what we need is we need them to hold off Sydney. And if Sydney lose, they're, 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 if Sydney lose this week, they're done for top four. They are. They, it ain't happening. Um, and if the Bulldogs beat Port Adelaide this week as well, then they're done for top four as well. So we're barracking our hardest for those teams. And we again, we will know those results before we play Fremantle this week. I've got no barracking left. <laughs> um, I'm devoid of barracking. Carl, Sean Hampson in the VFL. We didn't yeah. think it was coming, but he played in the VFL on the weekend. Well, I don't hey, know if you... Yeah, yes, you're sorry, I was just, Can I just quickly jump in there? You know who Sean Hampson's going to turn out to be? Who was that guy from Brisbane? That came Clark to Keating. Clark Keating. He will turn out to be Clark Keating. He will be our second tall in the forward line, and he will bag three or four goals and win us a final. See, I think Nankervis will be the one that kicks the three or four goals during the final, and Hampson takes the number one ruck. Which, if, if anything, if he's fit enough. If he, well, he's, he played a half on the weekend. In, so we played Geelong. We had a double header against Geelong uh, down there. We lost in the VFL by seven points. Hampson played a half and had 20, what, 28 hitouts. Now, I don't think he was up against much, granted that, that um, you know Geelong had played... Had Reece Stanley playing in the um, in the ones and um, and you know I'm trying to think who the, who the other rock yeah because they had Reece Stanley and uh, th- and uh, and uh, what's his name Zach Smith who dominated against him they were both playing ones and um, so I don't think I don't think Hampson was up against much but played a half 28 hitouts um, give you another week you just you never know it's it yeah, I think you could, he could be a Clark Keating type situation where you know granted Ivan Soldo's done a, a fantastic job. Um, for a first, you know, for for his first crack at it, but you know, I know that if you if you based on what we saw in Hampson last year, if he can get himself right, he could be a weapon. Yes, he could. Yeah. Um, ben Lennon also bobbed up with three goals, and with Josh Caddy out, um, oh, that brings us to this week's game. Um, there's one force change that's going to be made. Do to replace Caddy? Do we go to an Anthony Miles or another midfielder type, or do we need to go and you know maybe maybe a Sam Lloyd or a Ben Lennon or one of these guys who's more of a forward line player who can run through the midfield? What do you reckon? I'm thinking midfield. I'm thinking midfield. I don't think we need another. We don't need a defender because obviously Fremantle can't score anyway. They they are shite. Uh, no, I think a midfielder. <laughs> no, they are. They're shocking. They are. They they really are. They are atrocious this year. And I know it's all part of the great plan and they've been playing young kids and all that sort of stuff. But Fennigan, if you were coming up against Fremantle, you would be pretty chuffed about your chances. Carl, what do you think? Uh, I would say maybe go for Bolton or Stengel, bring them in for that game. We're going over to Fremantle after all. Fremantle are a pretty young site these days. They don't have a lot of 
senior, yeah, they don't have a lot of senior players, you know, with Pavlich and a few others retiring over the years. And Sanderlands is out, so I think it's Darcy, isn't it, there, Ruckman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think, or, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, but I think, he, did he get injured? I don't know. I'll have a look. Or maybe um, even better if they don't have a Ruckman because, you know, Soldo can yeah. win the taps. Soldo can so. do his thing. Um, mm. So I take it you guys then, obviously, we, we so we take on Frio, 4.40 p.m. Sunday over there. We did lose to them earlier this year. Let's, I think that's important to note. This was one of the – there, there were three redemption redemption games on the way home here. We, we won the first one against GWS. This is the next one. And obviously, you know, it was 12 weeks or so ago that uh, – that our old mate David Mundy broke our hearts after we managed to get in front with 21 seconds to go. This is another redemption game. Granted, I don't think Frio is any is not in the is, isn't in the position that they were uh, in terms of confidence and and player availability as then. But do you have any sort of inclinations that this could go against us? No, no, uh, so much so that I'm tipping Richmond by 37 points. Wow, Shebex. You're you're tipping Richmond. I I haven't tipped Richmond in what fifteen sixteen weeks. I don't think you've tipped yeah since since probably that free round of game actually. No. I think you tipped GWS by Richmond ten goals. By I think that's 30, what got the ball started. Richmond by thirty seven points. Frio a shite. They were pretty horrible against uh, against Sydney. They're shocking. And if I was Ross Lyon, I'd be looking to jump off too. <laughs> <laughs> off to Collingwood just to, just to back up my own uh, mate, my old mate Brad Hardy. Carl. Uh, Freo by 10 goals. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm in your corner, Shebex, again. No. Uh, look, I think we'll get the win, a well-needed win, especially off the back of a loss to Geelong. We need to win the last two games of the season, and hopefully, uh, I mean, there's still hope there we can finish in the top two, but I think if we're thinking realistically, we'll finish third at, at, at best. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've got to win the next two games. We'll, we'll start by winning this week against Fremantle. I was, so by the end of the weekend, we should have a... I know, I know there's only one round to go after this week, but by the end of this week, we should have a pretty clear understanding um, of where we're going to finish in the scheme of things. And, the, you know, uh, there is still a chance. We, I don't think we can drop probably as low as... any lower than about seventh. But... Um, you, you never, because uh, what are we now, 52? If we were to lose both, which I don't think is going to happen, um, we could go as low as 7th or 8th, but I don't think that's going to be happening because there's certain games where they're coming up against each other. Have uh, confidence. I, yeah, I think we can take some confidence into this one. I, 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 th- I suppose overall, out of out of the weekend, I take the confidence that we we didn't play well. We had we had, we had had players that we, sh- you know, like Co- Koch and Martin both had run with players when they were in the guts. Scott Selwood and Cam Guthrie were with them, and, and they weren't really influential. Jack Rewalt kicked one goal. Um, we missed sitters, and it was down there, and yet we still came out of it only, uh, you know, only 14 points adrift. And if you look, look at the way the Geelong guys are talking it up, they're like, down, at, down in Geelong, they're talking that up as their best win of the season. So, you know, that's... Let's not take that lightly because, you know, they, they are a good team, Geelong. And I know everyone wants to sit there and go, oh, they're pretenders, they're handbaggers. No, nah, they're, they are a good team with, who, were, who had a coach who outcoached our coach on the weekend and they played really well. And for them, for that to be their best win of the season and we sit here and go, oh, that's a bit of a nothing game, then, um, you know, I think, that's a, I think that's a win for us. So, uh, so we'll talk again next week. When uh, hopefully we're all cemented in a top four spot, but uh, you, you know, a couple of results going our way. I thank you, gentlemen. Tony Shibeki, thank you. Good on you, boys. Carl, thank you as always. Go oh, umpires. Well. Go umpires. Well, well. Have a. Can we, Carl? And before we go, can we, can we get a umpire? Derek Humphrey Smith comes in on a Tuesday when you're here. Mm. Can we get you to have? Can we get you to hug it out and 
you know, just 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 smile. Guys, when it comes to to, to I'll get I'll get him to bring a slab, and you guys can have a couple of beers, and maybe just sort your differences out. And I reckon that might might help everyone, might help our club moving forward too. In uh, Rebecca Judd's, much like what she said to Tony Jones, no thanks, no thanks, <laughs> no thanks. go no, Tigers, go Tigers. 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 Tigers.